0: two others I think so I have been really living in uh, in first Peter and uh, loving to hear the message that Peter brought because when he first heard the message he had an allergic reaction to it he did not want to hear anything about this message in fact it was so strong to him when Jesus it's, he, he, Jesus didn't start talking about the cross until Matthew 16 so that that could have been a year after a year and a half we don't know when he did but he then he began to speak to them it says about that the Son of Man would suffer, would be persecuted would would die and the third day rise again. Peter was so literally mortified, uh, that he took him aside. It says he took him aside, and he said, this will never happen to you. Well, why did he say that? I suspect he's got glory on his mind. We're with the chief. We're with the king. We see him messing with the leaders, and he puts them down, and uh, we're on our way. We, we could even head for Rome. He had something of glory. And he was a fighter. And I know he was a fighter because when there were 500 that came into the garden with swords and clubs and torches, they were, they were going after 11 disciples and Jesus. Peter drew a sword. He's going to take them on. And Jesus had to tell him to stop fighting because Peter, Peter figured, I guess, this is the time. Because he said, do you have swords? Yeah, got one. That'll do it, Jesus said. So he, he had the sword. I guess we're supposed to use it. So he was bold enough to draw and to fight that crowd. And then Jesus told him, put it away. And then he, he figured, oh, no, this isn't working. And he just took off. And he denied, denied Christ. So... He, he boldly reproved Jesus, and so Jesus responded with the strongest rebuke he ever gave anyone. He saw, he saw Satan. Satan wants to give us the easy life. He wants to give us a life that has no bumps, no hardships, and he wants us to have that picture of the life we have in God, that it's just plain easy and it's fun and there's no struggles, and that was Satan's lie. And so that's what Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. And that was for Jesus as well as for Peter because Jesus did not have it easy, and it was hard. He was the the rejected one. He was not favored in Israel. They looked at this stone. Can we use this stone to build on? And they threw it away and they discarded it. He's a discard. That's who we worship. We worship discard. He was rejected by men, but favored by God. And so Peter, it took him a while to get it. It took him a while to get back and Jesus was kind to restore him. When Peter got it, he got it so much that his first letter is all about suffering. More about suffering per verse than any other book in the Bible. And so I want to look at some passages here and, uh, to help us have a better understanding of suffering. <clears throat> because suffering can catch us off guard. Any of us. We can be surprised at the fiery trial. Peter says, do not be surprised at the fiery trial. Well, the fact of the matter is sometimes we are. We're surprised that it's as hard as it is. And I was surprised because I grew up in a family where it just went so well. My dad was a successful, wonderful pastor, and I have five sisters, and Frankly, I thought we were better than other families because we had it together, and I, I felt that way, that we had it good, and we had good parents, and it was fun and easy in grade school and high school and, and college, and then I went to seminary, and two years at Dallas Seminary. And uh, then I traveled for a year and, and uh, studied in Israel and taught in Africa, and man. And I got to Luther Seminary and bang. It was the best worst year of my life where I encountered what we're not encountering now at a personal level where I would sit down with guys that I wanted to reach, I'm a senior now, and uh, they're talking about gross things and it was so hard on me that it um, it just shattered my confidence. And I got so depressed that I was afraid to answer the phone and I didn't want to, I I didn't, uh, I I thought I'm going to be a pastor and I'm afraid to stand in front of five people. I'm afraid to answer the phone. I'm afraid to raise my hand in class. And so I had never done this before, but when uh, Isaiah, when you shared with me, that was the first time I ever said to somebody that was depressed, I know what you're going through. Because I knew when he told me, when he described it, I had experienced that at Luther Seminary, and I experienced the the, kind of the feeling like, I can't get out of this, I, I'm stuck. I I started carrying a three by five card in my pocket, because we had Agnes Sanford come to, uh, came to the church, and, and she had taught about um, identity, and so I. I was carrying Bible verses and uh, statements. I am uh, I am in God, therefore I love myself. And I, uh, Christ sets people free, so I, He will set me free. It took a long time for me to get out of that. So it was a difficult time. And I say it was the best worst year because it wasn't just the worst. But God used me. And in, 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 even in that, I don't know if I shared this with you, but... Um, I came and directed the work of Lutheran Renewal, and uh, I missed one of the pastor's meetings. So We had pastor's meetings regularly, and Dick Denny, who was the lay leader, he said, Paul, you should have been at the meeting. I said, yeah, I couldn't get there. I had something else I had to do. And he said, well, you really should have been there. And I, I said, Dick, okay, why are you pushing this so hard? And he said, because many of the pastors said that it was when you prayed for them on your bedroom floor, your room floor, that they were filled with the Spirit, and their lives were dramatically changed, and they became pa- now they're pastors. And I said, "Dick, I don't remember one of those." And my friend Bill Pratt he was hearing. He said, "Paul, of course you remember. it. You prayed for me." And I said, "Okay, I remember that one." Then. But I was so I felt the darkness more than the light. But here is the encouraging thing, and I shared this with Isaiah. I said, "Even when you think it's dark, you shine with the light of Christ." In your darkest day, you are far brighter than any person in the world without Christ, because you have Christ in you, the hope of glory, and you shine. And so I am praying for people, past future pastors to be filled with the Spirit, don't remember it, but God was still honoring my desire. And I say that to any of you who are either going through very hard times, or and you don't think you have anything to give to anybody. I never, I didn't think I did, but God used me still. And so I want to talk about suffering and uh, three things that suffering, we, we uh, read about it. Suffering refines us, but not necessarily. It may refine us, but it doesn't necessarily refine us. For instance, it didn't refine Demas. Demas was a partner with Paul. He's mentioned in two letters, I think, Philemon and Colossians, as a partner. He wasn't an upstart. He was a follower. He was a leader. And now Paul is at the end of his life, and he, invite, he says, Timothy, get here. Hurry up, get here. We don't know if Timothy made it. We don't know if he got there before Paul lost his life. He hoped he did because he loved him so much and he needed. It was cold. It was dark. He was forsaken by people. And then he says in fourth chapter, he says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Well, picture traveling with Paul. What would it be like? You're very likely going to get run out of town. You could get stoned. You could, if you're on a ship, you might get shipwrecked. You might have sleepless nights. He had multiple sleepless nights. You know, you may decide, I'm not sure if I like this life. And something got into Demas that wanted the easy life. Has forsaken me. Having loved this present world. He looks at what some of his non-believing buddies had. And it looked more appealing to him than what he was experiencing. And I say that as a warning, you know, that that it can be hard to follow Jesus. And it was hard for me at seminary to try connecting with guys that I'd been in school with. I went to Cal Lutheran with a lot of them. They knew me, and they knew I was different, and they thought I was weird. You were too serious about your faith? Yes. Yes. And I was becoming a pastor, and they were too, and I couldn't imagine it. And I tried not to be judgmental. I just wanted to connect with them and help them. And so the fire, if you let it, it will refine you, but you can get out of the fire if you want it to be easier. You can escape the fire. They didn't have to go in the fire. They could have bowed down to the king, but they choked. They could have walked out of it in the middle of it. That's right. They could have. They could have. They stayed in the fire. And if you let God purify you through the fire, it says, in this we rejoice. And that's the hope. Though now for a little while. Well, how long is a little while? Well, maybe 10 years. It may be 50 years. It's just in this life, which is a little fraction compared to eternity. But, boy, when, when trials started hitting me, I... It was very different, and it was hard. And uh, it will refine you if you let it. I say that because I'm very sad that there's a guy that used to be in the house here. His first name is Matthew. He's got a great last name. But uh, I just talked to him a couple weeks ago at the other house. He was staying there just for a few days. And I said, so how's it going? I could tell his face was sunken. And he said, it's not good. And don't talk to me about God. I said, what's going on? He said, well, I lost my job. And the girl I thought I would marry said, no. So I've lost my girl. And uh, God's rejected me. I said, that's a lie. And he said, don't talk to me about God. I I can't get him off my mind, because he was solid. But he threw it off, because he didn't get what he thought he could have. He was disappointed like Peter. Yes, yes. And so life can disappoint us. Life can be hard on us. And it can cause us not to want to be refined. I'm telling you, you want to be refined. You want to let God do his purifying work because it will redound to praise and glory and honor. We need to pray for Joel and Ann, and uh, they're going through a difficult time. The fire is refining you. It's doing something really good in you. It's doing something wonderful in you. But the, the process is really hard, and there's burning away. And you can let it burn away because it's doing something really, really good. Really wonderful. So that's the first thing, that we, uh, if we let it, the fire will refine us. Think of Joseph. Here's the chosen son. Here's the son who gets a wonderful jacket. Only problem is he wears it, and his brothers see it on him, and they, they are jealous, and they hate him. This is the patriarchal home. You'd think that the patriarch's home would be good homes. They aren't. None of them. They're, they're terrible homes. When he was a son, Jacob was a son. He was, he, was fav- he was not favored. He was second. Did any of you grow up feeling you were second? You weren't the, the favorite in the family? That, that doesn't feel good. That does not feel good. I asked that in my own sisters. My, one of my sisters said, yes, I love her. I care for her. She's a wonderful sister, but she felt second. Maybe to me, because I was the only son. But she loves me. Jacob was a mama's boy. Esau had hair in his chest, and he was an outdoorsman. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, it says in Genesis 25. And Rebekah loved Jacob. And so he connived his way into the blessing, but he almost killed himself in the process. And he got the blessing. Now he's a dad. And he should have known better. But what do we say? Hurt people. If you don't get healed, you're going to hurt people. And so now he's hurting his, the brothers of Joseph by loving Joseph. And he's hurting Joseph because Joseph gets sent down the river. Look at, he goes from the favored son to a man in exile, to a servant, to a slave, to a criminal. And how does he respond? What? Faith and obedience. That's right. That's right. Somehow he manages to hold on to hope in the midst of devastating suffering. He's such a good example for us. And what was God doing? God was preparing him to be the second most powerful man in the world. He did not know that. When he was in prison. But he's helping him interpret dreams. I can help you. He's in prison. He's interpreting dreams for people. He's doing whatever he can do. Wherever he is. Serving. And not complaining. The thing that we need to do. When we go through suffering. Is sometimes to go like this. It says of Jesus. He opened not his mouth. He opened not his mouth. When he was reviled. He did not revile in return. But he did open his mouth to heaven. But he trusted to him who judges justly. So there was no guile guile within his mouth. So when we suffer, it's hard not to complain. It's hard not to. And we all do it sometimes. But if we can let the fire refine us, God's got something for you. God's got something powerful for you to do. He's got his hand on you. He's got plans to use you, but he needs you refined. Can you say amen to that? I mean, can you, can you agree that you'll let the fire refine you so that you can be what God wants you to be because he wants to use you? So that's the first thing, that, that suffering refines The second thing, suffering teaches us to die. And he gives us two examples in Peter of where we can die. We can die at the workplace. Sometimes we work for overbearing bosses. any of you have bosses that are just really hard to work for? You know, it, it can happen. You can, you can work for people who just make it hard for you, and you wonder, wait a minute, I'm working for you. Why are you making it hard for me? You'd do better better if you made it easy on me. Be easier for me to have a good attitude. And so he says, servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to the kind and gentle, but also to the overbearing For one is approved, if mindful of God, he endures pain when suffering unjustly. We can say, but this is unjust. Right, here it is, when suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you do wrong and are beaten for it, you take it patiently? But if when you do right and suffer for it, you take it patiently, you have God's approval. I'm telling you, God's looking down on you and how you're responding to difficult situations in the workplace. God sees you. And God wants to approve of you. God wants to stamp, well done, on your back, if you can keep your mouth shut. Now, I'm not saying you don't go to human resources. I think there may be situations where you need to do that <clears throat> to, to get justice done. But when this was being read, they didn't have human resources, and they, they were told to, to take it and that God would honor that. I wish I knew that as a young pastor because I think of people who came to me with difficult situations at work. A wonderful lady named Shirley, she came to me and she was struggling at work with an overbearing boss who was critical, harsh, and made it hard for her. And I wish I could have brought her to this passage, but I didn't know it at the time. Now I've got it memorized. I didn't know it. And so I just, I'm commiserated with her, which may maybe that helped a little bit, just to, just to bear, pray with her. Commiserate, but I would have liked to have said you can be a hero You can be a hero by keeping your mouth shut by not talking critically about your boss and God will honor you God will stamp approved well well done and uh, When we when we suffer it it finds its way to our mouth often. That's that's where it comes out It comes out in our mouth, and that's why it's so strong about Jesus that that you should follow in his steps he committed no sin no guile was found on his lips it says three times in isaiah 53 he opened not his mouth three times i believe that's true he opened not his mouth that's when that's when you get in trouble when you, when you open your mouth so suffering teaches us how to die in the workplace and it teaches us how to die at home because uh, in this case, use the example of an of a, a unbelieving husband. It could be the reverse. It could be either way. But so that some, though they do not obey the word, may be one without a word by their behavior. So we learn to die in marriage. And you maybe heard me say this before. The purpose of marriage, read my lips, the purpose of marriage <laughs> is to kill you. Did he say it? Okay. Maybe he got it from me. I don't know. Maybe I got it from him. I don't know who said it first. But it's a killer. And when I learned to die in my marriage, Karen saw the difference. In fact, she shared it at a we were doing marriage seminar. And I went out of the room. I, I hope you know I'm not bragging when I say this. I'm I'm because I'm not, I'm, I'm sad that it took me so long to learn it. But as I was coming back in the room, I heard her say to them, Paul dies to himself. And I know I do that now, but I didn't do it for a long time, and I'm not proud of that. I learned how to die instead of using my mouth to correct something in her. And uh, that's how we're to be in marriage, that we die to two people who die to ourselves. We heard Francis Friends of Pain, and we were sitting in the front row together. I was leading the meeting, and uh, he was talk- talked about living above a fence. And we poked at each other and we said, Let's give it a try. That's hard. <laughs> That's really hard. We found out how hard it was when we set our heart to it because she would do things I didn't like. And I, I was supposed to live above a fence? Well, i got to tell her about this one. And to live above a fence, it, and now I've said to her, years later, I said, just so you know, it's going to be hard for you to offend me because I'm dying to myself. She'll, she'll still find me once in a while, <laughs> but, but not as often as I used to get offended. So it's dying, right? That, that he died for us so that we could live? Yes. But he also died for us so we could die. That you could die, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Peter didn't like that idea. And then Jesus said, he came around back to the disciples after he pulled him away. He said, if any man would come after me, here's what you get. Jesus wasn't about giving perks to people. When I started this school, the Harvest Project, I started giving perks. I'm I thinking, what, what can we promise them? What, what can we? We want to bring them in with some promises. And a lady said to me, she was a principal at the school or I was it, uh, in San Pedro where I was the pastor. She said, here's my counsel to you, because I talked to her about the school. She said, under promise, over perform. Best, one of the best pieces of advice I ever heard under promise, Did Jesus promise you some things and didn't deliver on He promised you a hard life. He promised you, you, you deny yourself, take up your cross, follow him. That's what he promises us. He says, in the world, you'll have tribulation. He says, I'll be with you the whole way. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. He doesn't throw out empty promises. I was doing it, boy. I I needed that advice. I was so glad for it. So suffering, it refines us. It teaches us how to die. And third, God's power is shown through good suffering. When we suffer well, you watch because you're going to see the evidence of God's power shown. So Paul comes into Philippi and uh, they don't like what he's saying, what he's doing, and they beat him up with rods. How would that feel to be banged multiple times with rods? And then they throw him in, they lock his feet in stocks, and he's at the back end of the dungeon, and it's midnight, you probably can't sleep if you've been beat up that bad, You're wondering, why did I come to Philippi for this? And so what does he do? Pardon? Praise the Lord. That's what he does. He and Silas decide, "Let's, let's sing a little bit. So they sing and the other people in prison, and there were others, they hear them singing. They probably didn't know the songs, but they heard the music and probably wondered, what is this crazy person doing? They've gone nuts. And, and God is so happy that his son, in the midst of pain, is singing, and he decides to join the group. So he shakes the place, He shakes it enough so that these, I would assume, chained gates break open so they're all open. So if that happened to you and you were one of the prisoners, wouldn't you leave? (laughs) Paul, who doesn't know them all, says, stay where you are. Whoa. (laughs) And so they do. And the guard is ready to take his life because he knows he's responsible and they're going to kill him anyway, so he might as well do it himself. maybe feel a little better. And Paul says, we are all here. Don't kill yourself. A church plant. A church plant started because somebody knew how to suffer well. I want to know how to suffer well. I want to know how to suffer that way. But well, that opened me my mouth, except to sing praises in the midst of my... Sadness. How about you? I want to learn that. I don't want to be a wimp. I don't want to whine about my situation. I don't want to whine about my marriage or my work or or somebody who's hard on me. I want to give it to God and say, God, you refine me, teach me how to die, and I know I'll see your power demonstrated. Yeah. Paul wasn't thinking about himself. He was not. Yes. 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 Yeah. Always thinking about others. Wow. he wasn't thinking about his own comfort. Ha! What, what, wasn't it going to be more comfortable to escape the prison and go? To You'd prison. think so. You'd think he so. Saw, Get a good bed. He saw. He saw things from God's eyes. Why? Right. God. Father, would you please teach us that? Would you please forgive us where we have uh, looked at our own situation? rather than seeing your purposes. We thank you for the beautiful way Jesus died, by caring for his mother, by winning lost people, by forgiving those who put him there. How we want to learn how to die well, die to ourself, so that your kingdom can be advanced right in the midst of our difficulties. And so we bless one another today and we pray that you would be so pleased to use us to advance the cause of the king. In the name of Jesus, we pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son. Amen.